cup of tea tails, the ones that got away, gone fishing, hook, line and sinker. I'd better start off by saying that I never had any success as an angler, and probably that is a term I shouldn't use when describing myself. My earliest experiences were at Roundy Park Little Lake, where my older brother and I would have nets fixed on long cane poles. The nets were a green mesh and we would trawl along the edge of the lake, seeing what we could discover lurking in the olive green depths. Usually we would find weed and little else, but occasionally we would come across minnows and the odd stickleback. These were wonderful little creatures and we watched them mesmerised. We would be equipped with the obligatory jam jar so that we could fill it with water from the lake, a little weed, and we could keep our prizes. Understanding of the environment was very different in the late 1950s and early 1960s, and no one ever suggested that it was wrong to take these fish. We would keep one or two of the fish we caught and take them back to our house. Unfortunately, these beautiful tiny creatures had about the same life expectancy as the goldfish from the fairs and would not live beyond a day or two. Of course, we were not the only children doing this and the accumulative effect would have been great. The same occurred with frog spawn. Children collected it and often it went home. We placed the spawn in an empty goldfish tank and after a few days we saw the spawn hatch and the tadpoles appear. There were large numbers of these tiny black creatures swimming in the tank. Over time the numbers decreased as some got bigger and we realised they were eating the others. Back legs developed and they got bigger still and of course the numbers decreased even further. Finally we were left with froglets and Dad took us to Hetchel Woods where we put them back into the dam to give them a chance. Today the collecting of spawn is banned and for good reason, as frog numbers are becoming endangered. We learned a great deal about the life cycle of frogs, and many classrooms would have them for a short while. My brother's and my early experiences with fishing did not put us off, and it was taken to the next level when we both were bought fishing rods. I'm not sure if they were Christmas presents, but if they were I only ever remember going fishing when the weather was good. The rods were nothing like the carbon fibre models of today with fabulous spinning reels. No, these were cane and made of three pieces that fitted together with metal joiners. The eyelets were bare metal, thread spliced onto the cane, and the reel was a very basic round wheel with the handle. Even so, we were delighted. Dad took us on our first outing and we went to Collingham on the River Wharf near Weatherby. We parked at the pub and walked across the road to the river. Prior to going, we went to purchase a course fishing licence. We had a couple of licences over our angling career, one from Frew's Sports Shop in Harehills and another from a newsagent's where Easterly Road became Weatherby Road at the bottom of Wellington Hill. This made us feel very special, as we were proper anglers. My dad also bought maggots, and my brother and I were fascinated and appalled by the crawling mass of grubs. We arrived at Collingham and after a walk along the riverbank, we found a spot that my father seemed to think would be a good place. 
My father was born the son of a gamekeeper near Oban in northwest Scotland, so looking back he should have known what he was doing. We put the rods together and Dad showed us how to thread the line, tie a hook, add floats and then the lead balls as sinkers. The next bit was the one I hated, and that was putting maggots on the hook. The poor creatures just writhed in the box, and I really didn't want to touch them. They had a strange smell and they were like something out of a nightmare. Dad took one out and pierced it with the hook, and then did a second one. It was horrible. They may not be high up on the animal chain, but it seemed wrong to inflict pain on them. As you can tell, I was a bit sensitive at this age, and probably still am. My older brother could put the maggots on the hook, but I refused. Anyway, the hooks were baited and then Dad showed us how to cast. He did it once or twice, and then we had a go. It took quite a bit to master getting the line to flow and the hook to travel a suitable distance onto the gently flowing river wharf. We tried to avoid weeds and rock, and finally we had our lines out and the floats bobbed up and down. It was all so exciting. But then, nothing. We waited expectantly for the fish to rush to our bait and seize the hook. But nothing happened. When you're under ten, waiting is not a good thing. It went on for an eternity. After a while, we wound our line and rebaited the hooks and then Dad cast mine out with greater plomb. Unfortunately, as he whipped the rod back and forth, the hook, maggots and all, caught me right between the eyes and latched onto the skin. There was a sharp tug, probably a cry from me, and Dad realised what had happened. To my horror, apart from the pain, there was a hook lodged between my eyes and even worse, two maggots dangling there. Hooks are designed to pierce easily, but the barb is there to prevent the hook from being easily dislodged. Dad realised how close he'd come to putting my eye out and attempted to remove the hook as quickly as possible. It may have been that another experience with my mother's displeasure the incident after losing Sabo at the soccer was still etched in his mind that explained his urgency and panic. My mother had quite a wicked temper when my father hurt or endangered her children or dog and it was possible Sabo was higher up on the order. I in return was not happy about having more pain inflicted and did not stand there calmly but writhed making his attempts and probably the pain more severe. Finally, the hook and maggots were torn loose, and after being told not to be a baby, we returned to fishing. The blob between my eyes had been wiped with a hanky and a certain amount of spit, which was the way of cleaning up young children. After this experience, I can't say that I was enamoured by this pastime, but we persevered for the rest of the afternoon. We didn't even get the excitement of a nibble, Knowing my father's gamekeeping ancestry, I must say he was a bit of a disappointment in the angling department. We did return on several occasions and never got close to catching any fish, but it was a peaceful way to spend time in beautiful surroundings, have a packed lunch, get fresh air and spend time with my dad. To be honest, I'm not sure what we would have done if we'd caught anything.
When I was about 12, I went a few times with my brother to Roundy Park, Waterloo Lake, and our success rate was the same. We saw lots of other anglers catch fish and have keep nets full that they were happy to show us, so we knew there were fish there. There are many worse ways of spending time than sitting at the side of a lake or river and doing very little. Happy times when you had a whole life in front of you. I remember being on a rowing boat on the lake and seeing anglers on the bank, but what they couldn't see were the rats running just out of sight under their feet. We called them rats, but they were probably water voles. My fishing ability seems to have been passed on to my sons, and in particular the youngest. He's fished many times here in Perth, but has never brought anything home to show for his efforts. But he enjoys it and enjoys chatting with friends while they fish in the river. If you've enjoyed my tales, then you may be interested to know that there are two books published. The first, A Cup of Tea Tales, The Early Years, and the second, Another Cup of Tea, The Teenage Years. Both are available on Kindle and through Amazon.